Blog Talk Radio. A good evening. Do not attempt to adjust your radio. There is nothing wrong. I have taken control of the smooth jazz station as to bring you the special show. I will return it to you just as soon as you are moving. Welcome to the station WPFUNK. Better known as P-Funk. Or deeper still, the Mothership Connection. Home of the extraterrestrial system. Dealers of funky neo-jazz. P-Funk. Uncut Funk. The Bomb. Coming to you directly from the Mothership. Top of the chocolate Milky Way. 500,000 kilowatts of P-Funk power. Kick back and dig while I do it to you in your eardrums. We may I'm known as Pamela Williams. Every year, the sex Home of the extraterrestrial sisters. 
Ravenda with MVN Indie Radio, and we have such a wonderful show tonight. I've been checking out a lot of uh, things going on with uh, a lot of females in both the uh, uh, political and entertainment and business industry and, and of course, community leaders and things like that. I've been checking out uh, some women that are doing big things and just seeing how many of the children and, you know, young girls and young teens and young college students, um, young women, period, are checking these women out, too. Because, I mean, it's, it looks like it's an issue for some girls not having the right people to look up to in order to direct their lives as they grow. So today's discussion is going to be who are the role models for the young girls and women and also, how can we, you know, change the way our lives are to make ourselves role models for these young girls? How can we get them to look up to us as opposed to artificial people? So I actually have a special guest on tonight. My, my partner in administrative and virtual crime is Becky Wombly, and I want to introduce her to the audience. She's also on another show called The, the I believe it's a Beck and Tech show. She'll tell you all about it and where to, to listen in. Becky, are you there with us? Yes, I am. How you doing? What's up, lady? How you doing tonight? I'm doing great. And, I mean, I just felt like this was an important topic because um, it was a special little lady that I've been checking out. And I pretty much love the way she's being raised by her parents. And I'm referring to... The famous little diva in training, Miss Willow Smith. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, yeah, isn't he great? Family's doing some good stuff with them, I'm telling you, um, with both of their kids, really. Well, I mean, at least Actually, all three of them. Oh, yeah. We have but, an older um, son who's a football player, so, and he's in college, so I'm sure oh, he'll okay. be doing something, maybe reduce or something. But I mean, I just saw her perform on Ellen and I can't say how adorable she was. I mean, she was just so cute. She did have the braids this time. She had like the the, the short hair and then a the little long hair kind of like blonded out and cute little mm-hmm. outfit and 
had little dancers on the stage, like various ages, and I thought, you know, Ella was going to jump up there and, and dance with her, but, you know, I guess she can't whip her hair, huh? <laughs> she doesn't have much of it. <laughs> no. <laughs> but it was so cute, and I've been loving that song, and the reason why I look to Willow as a potential role model for young girls that age, she's about nine, almost ten now, because her performance is not showing a little girl beyond her years as far as, you know, her womanhood. She's just showing her talent beyond her years. You don't see her half-naked. She's not doing the little hoochie-coochie dances, you know, I don't even want to say what they really are. But she's not doing none of that stuff. And she doesn't have boys, you know, hugged up on her in her video or in her performances. The lyrics are not, like, you know, tasteless and sexual in nature. I mean, it's it's really designed for a young little girl. Would you agree? Um, I definitely would agree with it. I mean, it reminds me of, some of the the early 80s pop stuff that came out, um, like back in the day when we had Debbie Gibson and Tiffany. Now, I'm not going to say necessarily as, as they progressed were they necessarily role models, but the music that they had out was pop music and lyrics were very clean and not suggestive. Um, and they weren't showing up a whole lot of things, you know. They were wearing the the 80s gear and the hats and all that fun stuff. Um, and I, I, that's what I think. I mean, it's just um, people tend to go back to this, well, sex sells even with, with children, and it's so sad. So I really feel like her parents and whoever's managing her are really doing a good job, at least with um, letting young people know that, you don't have to promote sex to actually be promoted. That's true. And um, hopefully none of that changes in the future. Um, (laughs) Because, you know, once they become grown, they start going in their own direction. You know, um, we've we've seen a lot of our, our young, you know, celebrities and artists, you know, change in their ages. And, Although being a role model is pretty much of a heavy responsibility because it's not something that you ask for, but when you're in the public eye, you have a lot of fans like she does and like other people do, you pretty much are being looked up to by younger people and other people who, who go by your your behavior and, you know, whatever direction your life is going as, you know, some type of template for themselves. So when it comes to just being there for somebody, you want to make the right decisions. And, of course, you're human. You can make wrong decisions from time to time, but how you handle those decisions when they're wrong is what makes you different from other people and what makes you stand out more as a, a human role model that does make mistakes but corrects those mistakes with better decisions. Well, yeah, and I'm sure she's going to have quite a few different um you know, faux pas or trip ups as her career goes through. But if she continues to keep it real and just be herself and not worry about what the media is trying to portray with everybody else that's out there, I think she's going to do great. And I think, 
it's refreshing. I think that's what people are actually looking for now. And, um, it's just somebody who's real and, and not who's just all hyped up with this crazy, you know, let me see everything that's going on. I mean, of course, in her case, the, the situation obviously is not age-appropriate either, but um, right. <clears throat> but we have seen instances where things where young women were put in that light, even though it wasn't age-appropriate. Um, I'm thinking mainly, remember Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen? Yeah. Now, well, it, I remember I mean, those. I'm sorry, go I ahead. remember them. I remember them, and believe me, I was in love with them. that little girl when she was on um, Full House and didn't even know she had a twin. But, um, you know, when they, up until they were grown, there weren't a lot of attention on them other than for their business sense mm-hmm. because they didn't have any controversy. And I think the media is behind a lot of things that, that bring a dark light over a lot of people because they're always focusing on the negative and they they wait and they like wolves. They're sitting and waiting for you to do something wrong so they can make a big deal out of it. And when they started talking about them and their weight and, you know, and then um, one of the twins was involved with um, Heath Ledger's death. Not quite oh, yeah. involved, but like the owner of the building he lived in. So they tried to put it all on her. It was like, how did you take somebody that's not doing anything wrong and living in life? Those girls are like multimillionaires, and they're doing their thing. They're not out there running people over with cars and drunk driving and, you know, all that stuff. Right. And then I'm sure that for some of the young ladies who didn't even do that in the beginning, all that pressure from the media probably led them to the direction they went, you know, like with Lindsay Lohan. I mean, she's she's had issues with family, and she's had issues with, you know, the media up in her face all the time. It's 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 just expected that somebody gonna snap. And, and you remember like, her? Thing Herbie's a love bug. Yes, I thought. And uh, what was that other one? Um, yeah, I mean, it's just it's so sad how such things can get warped into the the just. Just craziness. Just, I don't know. I, I hope that, um, you know, whatever's going on with this Miss Willow, that she can, you know, look to her family for guidance and, and try to hopefully have them point out to her some of these mistakes that the others have made because it'd be nice. It'd be nice to just, you know, keep one. <laughs> keep one in the in the uh-huh. pocket, you know what I'm saying? I know. <laughs> well, I'm going to put that song on right now because I love that song, girl. I'll tell you, it's like she should just make a little um, exercise video for little girls, you know, with that song and just kind of mix it. Now, I'm hoping that the one I'm putting on is not the one that um, Nicki Minaj decided she had to get on there. It's like she's like a vampire. She's got to go on. Everybody's something and do something on it. And put her face all over it. And, like, she, to me, is not that appropriate to be on a nine-year-old song, you know, because you're already listening to the things that she says on her music, and then she jumps over on the little kid's song. Like, be on some grown person stuff. Get off this little girl's song. Right. No, I hear you. She's not appropriate, period, in my book. 
Yeah, we're going to talk about her, too, because, like, some little girls are actually looking up to her, but we're going to talk about that. as a role model? Well, I always had um, 
my grandmother to look up to as a role model. I mean, I'm going to say my grandmother and my mother, but my grandmother's story was much more unique, uh, I think, than my mom's. Um, only because my grandmother was, she was born in Latvia, and she escaped the war there when she was 19, and she went to Germany. She became a nurse, and she came um, on a ship over to the U.S. when she was 26 with my aunt, and she knew no English, and she found a sponsor, and she started working in a very famous hotel in Washington, D.C., called uh, the Mayflower Hotel. And then Mm -hmm. she became, she started as a maid and worked her way up to uh, the kitchen manager at that hotel, which was a very famous restaurant where famous people used to come in all the time and actually, um, you know, just have lunch in D.C. Lots of politicians, lots of famous people. Um, So she, she then had my mom, and she was a single mother in the 50s and the 60s, raising two girls on her own, working extreme amounts of hours, struggling with not knowing English, and just working her way through that hotel to become someone who was uh, very respected and actually wound up becoming friends with people like J. Edgar Hoover and um, Dick Cheney, and she met Jim Morrison while she was there. Um, So I just kind of feel like my grandmother is just a testament to the spirit of what women can do um, when they've got nobody else. A lot of people think, oh, we're weak and we can't do this and we can't do that. But this is a story that starts, you know, in, uh, you know, the 40s or the early 50s. Right. And back then nobody was doing that. And here she didn't even know the language. So wow. I really have to hand it to my grandmother for not being afraid. And I think uh, maybe, you know, there was times I'm sure that she was afraid, but mm-hmm. she never... Um, she never let it come out to the point where it was going to get the best of her. Um, so that that story in itself and the story of my grandmother um, and, and the way that she came across um, all those different obstacles is huge for me. Um, and I think just a, a true testament to the female spirit, I, I have to say that. Um, and God bless wow. you, Grandma. Zena, she's uh, 88. <laughs> November 7th, actually. Wow. So happy birthday, Grandma, coming up. <laughs> Hanging in there. Well, um, there's a lot of um, women in her era that were, like, really great pioneers for women. You know, they did a lot of different things, and, and they just led the family unit because um, a lot of times the men were either at war or, you know, they killed at war or they were working on ungodly hours, you know, and the woman had to be home with the children, taking care of the household, you know, and managing like that. Those are the type of women that I've always looked up to as far as, you know, them trying to be strong to take care of everything and stand beside their men. Now, in my life, I grew up with a single, as a, well, with my mom. She was a single parent. My father was around for a very short period of time, and he he was an alcoholic. So when he was discontinued from the family unit, per se, 
it was just my mom and my sister and myself. And my mom had to work a whole lot of hours, so we barely saw her. And um, it was just, you know, us taking care of each other. And um, I started working at the age of 14, and I, I pretty much hadn't stopped working since then, you know, because it's just when you have to work and you have to be there to take care of yourself as a teenager, you pretty much find yourself doing that for all your life. Yeah, absolutely. And even if it's not a great job, you know, you have to continue on. And, of course, sometime later after high school, well, not really after high school, I was, like, in the middle of it, um, I became a um, a single mom myself. And, you know, then I had to go and, and do the same thing. My mom did work all these crazy hours, and, and you know, I did have to spend a lot of time with my daughter, too, because I didn't want to leave her my mother. But she was in daycare. So when she wasn't in daycare, then, you know, she was with me or with my mom or one of my friends was a babysitter. So, but I, I just wanted to work. I didn't want to be on welfare, you know, public assistance, because I, I know that it was a struggle when my mom was taking care of us and, and how welfare creates a system for women that, you know, have to take care of their own alone. So sometimes you get stuck in it. And I didn't want to be like that. And a lot of women can't be a role model because they're so stuck in that, and they don't have any self value. Because when you when you sign up for a certain thing, it's certain people that you get that sign you up. They just kind of make you feel like you're just not worthy of anything but handouts. So you know, it's just a it's just a crazy thing that goes on in our in our world. I don't know about the world, but I know about the United States. But, you know, that's just something that just kind of brings down the level of role models for some women. Um, when you're in a poor community, a poor family, you know, things like that. So it's hard to find good role models when when you don't know what to look for. This is true. And, I mean, I think also the, the role model comes from from within you, too. It's also going to be about who you kind of relate to with your core values and uh, things that you've learned across across your own life and experiences that you've gone through. Um, I, I can say that I identify um, as a white female with a lot of black uh, female role models, but there's also, there's also a lot of white females that I know that relate more to white female role models. And I can understand that only because they're not in that, you know, they're not brought up in in the black culture. So a lot of times what they see from the other role models doesn't doesn't necessarily jive with them, not because they're racist per se, but because they they just don't know that way of life. And I think um, one really good thing to be, which is why I say my mom is a role model to me, is because... She really didn't teach me to look at color, so I could identify with with anybody throughout my entire life, which I thank her every day for. Because, you know, I could be I could be on the street with no money in my pocket, but I know I'm going to be able to find my way home because I'm going to be able to talk to people as it comes through and try to find help and be able to actually have those conversations and ask for help if I need help. And a lot of people mm-hmm. aren't taught that. And so I think, like, I thank my mom every day for giving me a voice that a lot of people don't have. 
Well, that's great that she did that for you. Because um, a lot of young girls don't have anybody at all. Like, I, I worked in foster care for about three years. My mom was a foster parent, and I started working in the company that she worked with um, and uh, becoming a what they call a life skills tutor. Mm-hmm. So my job was to actually um, go to these kids and just pretty much teach them life skills because of mostly the teenagers um, because they didn't have anybody in their life growing up that was positive. They and now they have the substitute family with the, you know the foster parents and mm-hmm. so they needed somebody else outside of that to help them with you know like learning how to uh, find a job. Um, getting ready to be able to get their own apartments and or going to college and things like that. So I had to be looked at as a role model for these kids because um, they, I was the only one they had to go to for these types of things. So it was important for me to make sure they learn realistically how life is and learning different um, strategies to help themselves because then when they get out there, they're pretty much alone. So I had this one young lady. Um, I worked with her a lot. Um, I helped her get a job. I helped her go to school. And I helped her when she got out of the foster care agency because foster care is a business. Even if they are considered taking care of kids, it's still a business. So okay. when the, when that child is with the organization and they reach a certain age, they're disconnected from that organization, and um, usually they try to put them back with family, but if they don't have family to go to because the family's still jacked up, then um, uh-huh. they pretty much try to put them on their own. Well, this company didn't do anything to try to put this kid on her own. They just told her that she just she just have to leave the program and she had to leave the home that she's been in for like four years. And um, at first, the, the foster parents said she can stay there after she gets out because she's there so long. It's like, that's family. But then when she found out she wasn't going to get paid anymore and that they weren't going to let her have any more than one other kid in the household because she had this girl there, she changed her mind completely. Uh-huh. She said the girl had to go. Changed her mind completely because she didn't want to, you know, miss out on that paycheck. So the girl had literally nowhere to go. So I was still working with the company and um, I, I had bonded with the young lady. So I let her come and live with me. I let her rent one of my rooms, and she would stay with me. And, I, you know, I was going to work with her, get her own place, and try to find another job. Because now as she, she's leaving the lady's home, she can't go to work anymore because it's so far away from where she would have to live now. And she and right. then the agency did not do what they said they were going to do for her to go to school. So there, you know, she ended up having to pay for her own schooling. And, um, you know, use grants and stuff, too. And then try to find another job. Well, she did. I helped her with that. So I think it's important when you deal with kids that sometimes you have to step out of the position of the business part of it and deal with the human side of it and, and just being, a you know, a parent for somebody else or, a, you know, a, a guard, I don't know what you call it, guardian or something for somebody uh-huh. else because they don't have anybody else. They don't have anybody else, and then they look up to you if you're the one that they're working with. So it's always good to make good decisions when you got people looking at you like that. Well, you know, people are looking at you um, all the time, and we seem to forget that um, in our day-to-day life. I mean, um, I've just been recently looking around and realizing, okay, I'm 32, and 
all all of my friends um, that I have, um, they all have kids, and they, then all their friends and all of the friends of friends all have kids. And so when everybody gets together, all the kids are there, you know. And I obviously am just the the lone female that comes into the situation. But then, of course, all the kids are wanting to know who I am and, you know, what I'm doing and how do I know mom and dad. And, you know, you're hanging out in a space with these young people and you have to watch what you say because even though, you know, you're not asked to be that role model, there's situations where these kids actually wind up looking to you and it's for no other reason than, oh, they like your haircut or something like that. Um, and then right. they kind of gravitate towards you. And then you have to sit there and think, okay, so now i got to watch my words and make sure sailor mouth doesn't come out and make sure I'm not <laughs> making a sort of lewd remark as, as a funny joke to my friend, which isn't something that I normally have to think about because I don't have a family. So in those instances, you know, you wind up becoming this person that can influence people. And it's really strange, but at the same time, I've, I've found it actually very enlightening because if someone is, even if it is a child or um, a young adult, is going to put, give me that power, then I need to use that power responsibly. And I think that's where we lose a lot of, a lot of focus in the media media doesn't realize how much power and responsibility they have. And, and you remember that old saying, um, with great power there comes great responsibility? That, that mm-hmm. doesn't happen anymore. It's about money. And nobody wants to take responsibility for the fact that what they're putting out there is actually shaping the minds of the people, whether they be children or adults, that's actually watching it. That's so true. And the media brings attention to a lot of people, good and bad. And that's what a lot of people will be looking at, a lot of young girls will be looking at to determine what that person does. So if the media only covers the the controversy that you create when you're out there in the public, then that's all people want to see. So if you don't do mm-hmm. anything positive that, that's seen, like, I mean, if, you, if you're a celebrity and you're doing a whole lot of positive things, that's when you should be contacting the media and telling them, check this out, this is what I'm doing, or whatever. Like right. when they um, when they were filming um, Harry Connick Jr. over there in New Orleans after Katrina, and they, they showed him knee-high in the um, water, you know, trying to um, dig through there with other people to help folks out. And then how they show um, Brad Pitt over there in the same area building homes for people. I mean, they focus on both the good and the bad of him, but before all they ever focused on was bad, like his relationships, you know, any kind of bad boy behavior, whatever they call it. But I think that when certain people, as they get older, they realize that, you know, this celebrity status is not that great if it takes away from your persona when they focus on negative things and people never get to know you as a person and know that you're not really like that because the media is going to stop right there when you show a lot of negative stuff. Like one little incident can, like, brand you for life. Now, another thing is, you know, some people did not have a lot of attention when they were younger or they had, you know, maybe the wrong attention or whatever, 
And when they become celebrity, they kind of go overboard. But now they're getting all this attention. Now they got to do stuff to get attention, and they and they love it, and they love being the center of controversy. And then um, there's people who, you know, take it and use it to make themselves more popular and, and richer. Uh-huh. Now, in the music industry, the music industry is full of of artists that kids look up to. And it depends on what kind of environment that you grew up in, if you can relate to that person. Like, well... I don't know who can relate to Rihanna. I mean, like, it doesn't look like she had, actually had that much of a hard life. I'm sure she may have had, you know, some things happen, but some people just look up to her because she's just a fashionista, and she's like, you know, she don't do nothing until she got smacked up by Chris Brown. Then she had a lot of controversy going on around her. And you see how they they barely focus on anything bad about her until that incident happened. Then right. they made her a post-child for a, a domestic abuse, and then they turned around and tried to put a negative on it by showing the photos of her that she took herself in the hotel nude. Um, even though she's by herself, she's still nude. So, you know, that can ruin you. The things that happen, even after people start like catering to you or feeling bad for you and, and saying you you make us feel strong because you went through this, that, and the other, blah blah blah. Now, there's another artist out there, and that's Nicki Minaj. Now, she has like turned Barbie into like this whole different character. I, you know, I don't associate her with Barbie at all because I think she puts the painted color on Barbie, and if she creates her own doll, fine. But like, leave Barbie alone because Barbie for years was this perfect little doll, and like, you know, you caused a lot of controversy with just using that character. And I'm sure Barbie need to put some leather on from time to time. You know, we can understand <laughs> that. It's 2010. She should still be wearing a little frilly lace clothes, but. Don't make her look like some kind of hoe, because she, she still had Ken. <laughs> and Ken is not gay. <laughs> even even with with Barbie not having any female measurements that could even support a real woman, it was a doll. Right. And I right. had all of them, and I love my Barbies. Uh-huh. And I tell you, I don't remember any Barbies that came out that had some kind of hoe-style outfit. I really don't. It was a lot of times it was like sport outfits or um, very luxurious gowns or like, you know, cute, stylish things. But it was never anything that it was going to be like revealing about, you know, about her. Nothing at all. (laughs) My problem with Nicki Minaj is that she, she wants, she wants to come up in the boys' game and act tough and put on this persona that she can hang with the boys just because she can rap. But what happens is when she hangs with the boys, she becomes somebody different. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I'm not going to say this either because, I'm sorry, I love Lauren Hill as a singer and as a rap artist, but I do not find her a good role model at all. In fact, I've seen and heard many interviews with her where she was playing out racist, and I'm not down with that. 
But at mm-hmm. least when Lauren Hill was playing with the boys, she didn't act like, uh, you know, Mrs. Tough Girl. And she didn't come across mm-hmm. like, you know, like she was going <clears> to, <throat> you know, take down everybody's world when she was playing mm-hmm. with the boys. But Nicki Minaj comes up in there. I mean, just some of the outfits that she wears, the lyrics that she has, period, um, are just not fitting, not fitting for a young young woman. I really just don't True. don't see how that is um, some, something that's going to, how a parent can say, wow, this is such a good song, and I'm going to let my kid listen to it. But then have you listened to the words behind it? And the connotations? Oh, yeah. I was, and then she uses a lot of um, metaphors, too. So it's kind of kind of weird, you know, that they make a big deal out of it. And I can understand for grown women, you know, that's fine. But when I just, my thing about her and using Barbie as her little epithet is that Barbie is the innocence of a little girl. Uh-huh. And when you start giving Barbie another representation, then you start ruining it for little girls. Now you're going to have little girls who don't like Nicki Minaj, not liking their Barbie dolls, because they're only thinking about her being Nicki, or either they're going to start, you know, dressing and wanting to have clothes like Nicki on their Barbie dolls, you know? She could have did her own persona without associating it with something that's been and pretty much in in our minds since we were all like little little eight or nine year olds, you know, and Barbie's still on the market, so it's like you know there's still a, a decent looking Barbie doll out there, and and it doesn't have anything to do with Nicki Minaj. And and then my thing is with her, she created a whole different persona that I don't even believe what we see is really her. I think she just did that yeah, image that innocent out of, of um she, out she of Barbie mixed up with whatever. That. And if that was her intention, that's messed up, period. It is messed up. And she mixed that up with whatever her management tried to have her do as far as selling sex. So it's like you making Barbie like a a, a sexual puppet in a way because that's all I could see her as. Let me read you a little bit of information on her bio about, you know, how she grew up and things like that. So pretty much she um, she was born on... On the south side of Jamaica, Queens, New York, which is pretty much a tough area. Not that bad, but, you know, somewhat tough. And she grew yeah, up in I wouldn't be afraid home. to go there. <laughs> no, I wouldn't be either, but, you know, it depends on who who's going there because some people go there to scared to death. And then some yeah. people are like, oh, like my neighborhood, you know. Um, it depends <laughs> on who you are. <laughs> so she grew up in a troubled home. Uh, her dad was on drugs and her mom was a single mom. Um, I mean, she could relate to a whole lot of young women because a lot of young women go through that, too. Um, now, despite everything that was happening around her, she still graduated high school. And these things they don't make a big deal out of. These are the positive things about her. She graduated right. from high school. That alone is, is something good, having a, a troubled home. And she got a job. She was an administrative assistant. And she dedicated all her free time to pursuing a potential music career. So she had dreams and she had goals, and she wanted to do something more than be stuck in that home. So I can appreciate that in her, and I just think that certain things that that she was trying to do when she was getting where she is now, 
she should be out there more with. Like, people ought to know more about that. Because nobody really knows unless you actually take the time and look at it. But when you look at the stuff that she shows off in, in her music, Unless you're a fan, you're not going to go looking about, you know, looking up any Google information on Nicki Minaj. You're not going to want to, you don't care nothing about her if uh-uh. you don't like her persona. So, and her being so young, the thing is, once, you know, you get that set in people's minds, and you add little Kim Ness and, and Foxy Brown, once people get that set in your mind who you are, you can't up to two or three or four years later, all of a sudden change and start wearing a whole dress. Right. <laughs> Taking them blonde and pink wigs off. I'm like, oh, oh going okay, to okay. Actress, <laughs> going to actress, you know, becoming an actress playing somebody's mom or somebody's teacher or something in a positive role. And nobody's going to believe that. Nobody's going to accept it. And it's going to be very difficult. Mm-hmm. So in your journey to success, you just have to watch the steps that you take on your way there because what you start as is what you're going to be stuck with. Lil Kim, you can ask her anytime. She's still struggling with being accepted. That's why she's done all this plastic surgery to herself and and, and just surrounded herself by people who get a lot of attention, you know, because the attention's going to fall on her too. And then the stuff that she wears and poses, but she's never put herself out there to be a role model for little girls. That's no, the she, one good thing I like about her. She's she, never put herself out there like that. This is true. She's put herself out there as a sex object, and that's pretty much what she put herself out as. And she right. never came back and, and said, well, I was trying to do this. Because we know that well she wasn't. <laughs> right. <laughs> and now she's paying for it. Oh, you yeah, she's she trying to be. She's trying to be something different now, and... You know, and she's paying for her and Foxy. And it's like, you got to remember. Cause now look at Mary. Mary ain't never put herself out like that. Mary J? No. Never, ever put herself out like that. But she had her own struggles, too. And I think she's just finally coming into her own now where she, you can actually say, now Mary can be a role model. Before, Mary right. was really messed up on some drugs. Yes, she was came out and, and she had domestic violence in her circle as well and, and she didn't come and out she and never, say, but well, she never she even never tried to be make a role model then right no she didn't, she didn't come out but doing. now she's coming up in the spotlight because she people say she never uh graduated high school or whatever and now she's kind of like getting on the well school's good bandwagon kind of thing and you know her message is way more positive she talks about how she overcame those things now right. I can say, okay, now you've transformed yourself into actually being ready to be a role model, and I think she knows that too. And if you listen to any of her albums, you you get mm-hmm. that feel too. She knows, she knows she's on the other side of it now. But um, that's true. You're right. That's it's true. the ones. It, I'm okay with the ones who come out as whatever they are, but don't pretend. Right. You know, and I just. I don't know. I'm just. I was thinking about somebody else that I I really thought was a good role model for young women, and I know I was telling you about this. Um, mm-hmm. Tina Fey from yeah, Saturday Night I love Fame, Doc Fame. adorable. <laughs> What's that? What's that? I think she's adorable. Oh, she's because she's she she got like killer a killer body, killer look. She could so be a model, but 
you you don't even see that kind of ego in her at all. No, you don't see her trying to. Even she she looks uncomfortable when she got dressed a certain way when she go to the awards. Like she looks like she'd rather be in some jeans and you know like or some sweatpants or something more less revealing and more comfortable. But, you know, it's an image thing she got to uphold because she's on TV and she's in the media and all this other crap. And they probably would, like, harass on her about it, too. But, yeah, right, I, but I even really with, like her. The whole thing with her is she wants to be known for her brain. She's right. funny as hell. The things that she writes and uh, she wrote uh, Mean Girls and Baby Mama, both of those movies. I mean, those movies were hilarious and the stuff that works she they did were. on Saturday Night Live and Dirty Rock. I mean, I don't Dirty know. Dirty Rock. Mm-hmm. It, but I watched it. I, I didn't, before the Emmys, I didn't even know she wrote for them. I just thought it was somebody else. And I was like, wow, that's amazing that she's even writing that stuff for them because it is funny. That's her show. She writes, produces, and stars in it. Mm hmm. And, I didn't even I know mean, that before. That's the kind of thing that I like to see is that drive in, in a woman. Now, that's that's a woman you want to look up to. To me, it is. not afraid to be smart, not afraid to be funny, not afraid to be who she is, and takes control mm-hmm. of her creative aspects and isn't going to let other people, you know, tell her what she's going to do with her show and her idea. That's right, and I like a woman like that too, especially when they have to be in a man's world because, you know, the TV is the man's world because most of the producers, executive producers are men, and they're, they're almost like the politicians. They they make these rules and, these, and they have these things in, in place where it's hard for women to be on the same level without a lot of hard work. You have to really work hard, and sometimes you have to play their game to get where you want to in that business. So she obviously has accomplished that, and she chose something that she was really good at, which was comedy and writing. So that was a strong point that helped her get where she is because if she wasn't strong in any of those things and she just happened to have a quirky sense of humor or whatever and that was it, she didn't have any writing skills, I'm sure she wouldn't have been able to reach that level without maybe sleeping her way to the top like a certain person that has a night talk show. And there's another thing that um, you you also have to consider about strong female personalities is the strongest ones that you find out there are the ones that build on the things that they're already good at. So Mm -hmm. what these young women need to realize today is that if you're good at something, it's not a bad thing to be good at it. It's, It's a good thing to nurture it and embrace it and develop it and not be afraid to to want more from it um, because you can become successful from that no matter what you look like or uh, what other people say you should look like, which is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of um, women who are pretty strong, another role model that I pretty much look up to um, at this point, and, and trust me, I didn't know about her before, um, we knew about her husband, and I'm speaking of Michelle Obama. Um, oh. She is a great role model, and and speaking as as far as African American women, um, both her and her husband reaching those those um, accomplishments alone is something to look up to because of the fact that 
we as a people have never thought we could get to that point. We would ever have been given a chance to run this country, even though they're giving him a hard time. And I knew that was coming, you know, because a lot of people still haven't been able to accept it. But usually a black woman um, is given such a, a bad rep in in a sense, you know, as far as like if she is educated and she is, you know, coming from a, a well-to-do family or whatever, that, you know, either she's gay or she's, like, too superior for anybody else and and she's all about herself. And this woman is not all about herself. I mean, she she has a family raising her properly, and she had goals of her own to reach despite her husband. So she's not, a, a you know, a piece of jewelry on his arm. Oh, no. She's pretty much a supporter for him. Like, she probably... It's the one who makes the speeches. <laughs> you know, she's probably the one making all the speeches, and he's just the one saying it, which is another thing that most first ladies do anyway is for their presidents because, you know, in the past, we know darn well um, Laura was helping um, George Reed, and then we, <laughs> and we know his his mama, well, I don't know what his, his mama was doing, Miss Barbara, but um, Ronald Reagan's wife was doing damn near running the country herself, you know, <laughs> and, I mean, it's just like you you have to show yourself as being just on the same level as him and just as intelligent and just as um, interested in, the, in the, the what he has to do and for his career. I mean, he has a big position, like the best position that you could ever have, but also the worst. So uh, her being supportive being a mom, raising her children so that they could stay, you know, grounded because they could easily been like them two little alcoholic first daughters. Mm. <laughs> you know, not everybody was going to be Chelsea, you know, going to college. Like Chelsea never had a bit of controversy. She just got married. And she was a good role model as a first daughter for young little girls who were, you know, getting their education on. But Michelle's daughters, you know, they got a lot of pressure on them because they're the first black family. And people always seem to think that there's going to be something wrong with a black family somewhere in time. Like somebody's going to break up or somebody's going to have domestic violence or somebody's going to do something. So when they show Somebody's going to go to jail. Perfect, yeah, you know, when they show that perfect family, some people don't believe it. And some people do it. But you could see they when they interview with each other, like when Oprah was interviewing them and other people, you could see the realism in their relationship. Oh, yeah. I've never seen any president be affectionate with his wife as Obama is to Michelle. I mean, he smacks on her behind in public. <laughs> he got that look in his eye. Well, listen, man. I mean, he, he ain't fake. No, and and that's that's the one thing that I, I always like about him is that when he comes out and he speaks, he's real with it, and he's he's real. Period. I mean, why? What's wrong with loving your wife and showing affection to your wife? There's nothing wrong with that. That's awesome. More people were doing that than you would have a, a lower divorce rate. That's Instead so true. Of embarrassed about this, that, and what other people are going to think. That's your wife. That's your husband. If you want to show affection, show affection. There's nothing wrong with mm-hmm. that. 
somewhere along the line, people started saying showing affection was a bad thing. Everybody, everybody then, needs some love. Everybody, and and she didn't grow up wealthy and needed to hate. And you know, so it didn't it didn't the way they are now didn't re, wasn't reflected on by the way they grew up as far as the economic status. So, you know, people put so many labels on people of of different cultures. You know how they're going to be when they get together or when they you know live their lives. And, and we need to stop doing that and stop putting everybody in a a, a particular box. You know, like everybody that's from this culture is going to be like this and do this and have that happen and vice versa. You know, everybody is human. Everybody has opportunity to go one way or the other. And with these two, they work together to reach a, a big goal, and they and they accomplish that goal. And now they're working together to keep it going, and they're dealing with a whole lot of um, backlash and a whole lot of um, barriers and and just criticism and everything, and then most of it is because they're the first black family, first black president or whatever, because a lot of the uh, points that some of these folks that are his haters have are just not realistic because they're basically saying it because they're racist about him. Uh-huh. And they just try to pick every little thing that's wrong about him that they think is wrong about him to hold it against him, but they didn't have as much to say about the president that actually put us in this war. Like they kind of seemed like they let that go. <laughs> right. The people let it go. We are where we are because of that former president and not because of the current president that we have. Right. And and no no presidency changes the way it should in the first term. It's always going to happen more so in the second term, because nobody's a miracle worker. And it seems like the more, the more that's been done to us in our country, the harder it's going to be for any person. So even after his terms are up, the next person's going to get the same issues. So why well, put it on him like he's going to be this miraculous guy who's going to end all these issues we have, and then after his terms up, we go back to being normal. I mean, you want to put the same people in there in office that screwed it up in the first place, you know, and I don't think the women in the presidency are given enough responsibility, if you ask me, because of the fact that women of the past of presidency didn't do a whole heck of a lot. They were just, well, what do you give me a job to do? Put me, give me a title. <laughs> uh, I'll teach kids how to read. Uh, um, I'll work on some African kids, and uh, I'll do this and I'll do that, you know. But somebody needs to allow them to put more into it. It should be a, a family thing. It should be a a group thing, a community thing, a, a nation thing. You know, we should all have something to do with it. And women should be given more more power within the administration and more responsibility to show how strong we are because we are. Oh, yes, we are. And there will be a day when we are there as the head instead. Because yeah, before Obama showed up, I was voting for uh, Hillary. <laughs> I mean, I like Hillary. And she just said one thing that set me off, and I just went somewhere else with it because I was just, oh, no, I know she, met, no, she didn't say that. Yeah. And then it seemed like she was turning Bill against us. So 
he gonna he gonna go with his wife. He can't go with Obama. You know he wanna go over there with Obama, but he gotta go with his wife. <laughs> they still married. He did have his back during his hard times. So you know, I was like, okay, but I'm gonna give you that one, okay? <laughs> yeah, I mean you had to. So, but I mean I don't know. This is the politics and females still put up with a lot of sexism and a, a lot of other things that they shouldn't have to put up with. Um, but it's just the nature of the beast, and um, you know, I mean, it's it's those. Underlying issues are always going to be there Race, sex Sexual orientation All those things are so taboo That um, You know it's not going to take A decade to get over it We're probably looking At you know A couple decades before those things Really don't matter anymore That's true Now there's other role models Out there that um, I wanted to discuss Now you had mentioned before about um, a role model that was a, pretty much a role model for senior citizens to me. Um, <laughs> she's been a role model for a lot of different age groups of women all her life. All and her I've life. always admired her. I admire her from the I don't remember when I was little. And I saw her on Mary, um, Mary's show and what else? Um, and she married the guy that was the host for the Password TV show game. Yeah, and she I didn't know that she was doing stuff back when it was, everything was black and white. <laughs> uh, yes, the Betty White show. Miss Betty White. Yeah, oh, I, yeah, you got to love Miss Betty White. I love her so much because she is a great role model for older women. Because so many older women feel like at a certain age, you just got to sit in the chair and don't move. <laughs> 92, I mean. Saturday Night Live, and I'll tell yeah. you, that was one of the funniest episodes of Saturday Night Live I've ever seen in my entire life, and I'm a huge fan of SNL. I've been watching the reruns from when it started. Oh, yeah. I never I've been watching it since and I didn't see that episode, but I'm watching it on Hulu, but um, I, I knew she was going to be funny. I knew she was. I mean, I like that commercial that she's in um, where she's playing football. Yeah, she gets tackled. <laughs> I love that commercial because I'm like, she cracks me up because I always looked at her like this sweet little old lady. That's just a this, oh man. If I was at her house, she'd just be baking me some cookies. That's always what I thought of her. And then I saw Lake Placid when she oh, was yeah. using the dirtiest mouth, and I was like, oh my god! I was like, this is my grandmother talk like that, and it was just oh my god. She said it. She told the guy. She said if. This is where, if I had a, a, a so-and-so, I'd tell you to suck it. <laughs> <laughs> I said, did she just say that? <laughs> she's been, uh, like, she's been uh, very vocal for a very long time, but she doesn't stop. And that's um, one of the things too. that I always loved about her. I mean, of course, I became a huge fan when, the Golden Girls was on. Oh yeah, yeah. She's like her and Rue McClanahan were my favorite characters. Because um, I always loved Rue when she's on the Carol Burnett show, and um, I love oh, her yeah. southern accent. And she's like a sex, a sex pot, a senior yeah. sex pot. <laughs> and that's what I liked about her. I was like, oh, her getting her little frisky on, you know. <laughs> 
And then Sweet Betty was like, she was like a big bat, but she was so funny with it. You know, the stuff she said out of her mouth just cracked me up. But she was on a proposal with um, Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds, and she was <laughs> looking for Sandra's boobs and the dress. But I think the, and she was the, so cute about it. The thing that most people don't really know about Betty White is she's a huge animal rights activist, and she has been forever. And when I say forever, I can say that because she's 92 years old. <laughs> uh, this this woman has been an advocate for so many animal rights groups and has do- donated so much of her own time and money just to save animals. Um, it's something that she called her second job and would make um, her first job if she didn't have so many fans that still wanted to see her out there doing her thing. Um, That in itself is, again, people have this position of power with what, you know, they they come into, and instead of not using it for any sort of good, she took it on the side of, okay, this is something I feel extremely passionate about, and I'm going to be involved in it as much as I can be possibly. And that, I think, is something anybody can relate to. All the young women who want to be vets and, you know, animal techs or work in zoos and things like that, um, if you, it, again, it goes down to passion and drive. If that's something you feel strongly about, you can develop it. So I always thought that uh, that was a, a very important piece of information about Betty White that people miss. Well, we have a bunch of people online now. I didn't All even right. notice because we were talking so much about my girl. But I'm going to let them... Um, Come in with a, uh, a question. So now I have, um, uh, let me see, this is Syndicate, Syndicate, and um, you're on the line with us at MZ and Indie Radio. Please share your opinions or resources in regards to role models for young girls. Hello? Hello? Syndicate, are you on the line? Let's get someone else in while we wait for her. Okay, area code 419, please share what you want to say about role models for young women. Uh, hey there, this is Miss Computer Lady. How are you? Well, hello there, Diva. Hey hello. there, Diva. Hey there, how are you? Very good, very good. Welcome. Oh, thank you, thank you. Won't be able to stay long, but uh just wanted to quickly mention uh, of the show that I've heard, a very good topic to discuss. Um, I would have to say, as far as a lot of role models, uh, a lot of things have changed as far as role models are concerned because, number one, uh, besides my mom, my grandmother, and a good number of my aunts, so a lot of my role role models, I should say, were family members, uh, some of the role models I looked up to, um, let's see, include like Shaka Khan, let's see, Esther Roll, uh, you know, Good Times fame, most notably for. Oh, yeah, rest in peace. Oh, yes, mm-hmm. definitely. 
Um, some of them today include, um, you know, Angela Bassett, you know, a very good actress. And uh, oh, yeah. I consider her a role model. Uh, Jill Scott. Love Jill Scott. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I love me some Jill Scott because she's out there. Um, and I would say uh, Angela Wimbush, you know, a very mm-hmm. multi-talented lady who, you know, and I remember seeing her in um, song, and I'm glad they brought it out, you know. One of the few ladies in the industry that could do everything, everything from the art design to producing to arranging to recording. You know, part of her story, she mentioned she was learning about, you know, the engineering board and all that. Now, how many uh, females can you say, you know, publicly said that they know how to do that? You know, I know how to do that, so I will go out there. But, yeah, it is tough for a female to learn mm-hmm. that in the man's world, I will tell you for sure. Oh, okay. Definitely. So, I definitely mm-hmm. agree with that one. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the one thing I've noticed about a good number, or all these ladies I just mentioned, they also, you know, love and look to themselves, too. You know, they, mm-hmm. they admire others. But they, you know, display and show their strength, and that's one of the things I admired about all of those I mentioned and many more. I mean, I could name some others, but it would take too long. I, <laughs> I think, I think that's lacking a lot uh, as far as who a lot of young ladies can look up to now. Um, if you name and you name some of the people it seems to be either like a whole lot of negativity around or only like one side of things because we as women are multifaceted multi-talented and it should be where we should help each other instead of tear each other down right so I think that's, that's one of the main right, I think that's one of the main things lacking because a lot of times you have a lot of young ladies, they probably see that there are women out there who are multi-talented, can do and manage, can do multitasking, you know, in the drop of a hat, and aren't shown, aren't mentored, or whatever the case may be. And maybe with the way life is, because, you know, life is not as they say, black and white and gray. It is many colors because problems are not as simple as they used to be. Even the simplest of problems can be quite complicated. And a lot of young women need help in trying to overcome a good number of situations. And when it comes to having the help to do that, uh, a lot of young ladies can't find it, and therefore they will go in other directions that aren't necessarily beneficial to them, which leads to a, you know, downward spiral. And, you know, when that happens, it's hard for them to get back, you know, get back on their feet and move on. But then that's the other thing, too. When they have gotten to the point in which they need help, who is there to help them? And unfortunately, too many times it's not anybody. Mhm. That's true. So I, there's there's right. a lack there's a lack of 
of role models. Um, and that's why some people in their family units don't have that role model. They have to look at a celebrity or a person that, um, I guess, is in their school, like, you know, maybe a guidance counselor or certain teachers or mm-hmm. other people because they don't have anybody in their family, not even an aunt or grandmother or, or you know, cousin. And then sometimes they might look at one of those relatives that's not really doing that great and mm-hmm. end up following in footsteps. So the thing right. behind looking up to a role model is learning how to make decisions better decisions about what you want to do with your life and knowing when when that person does something, whether it's a good thing to do or not. Mm-hmm. Well, she's absolutely so that's, right. That's that's lack of um, mentoring, too. I think right. that's why um, there's programs out there that are so important for, for young females to be involved in, like uh, the Boys and Girls Club, for one, is a great place, the YMCA, um, the Girl Scouts. Mm-hmm. A lot of the after-school programs um, that are out there in the day-to-day communities. Um, And I think a lot of young people don't take advantage of those things because they think they're corny or their friends aren't Mm -hmm. doing them. What they they don't realize is that these are the things that are really going to let them excel in their life. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I'm glad you mentioned that. Excuse me, interrupting. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that, and I'm going to have to go after this. Uh, but that's an excellent point because, you know, it you got that, and it still holds true to this day, that peer pressure. If they don't see their friends do it, nine times out of ten, you know, they're not going to do it. Uh, and they are probably the leader that needs to make that step forward and say, hey, look, I'm going to go to the Boys and Girls Club. I'm going to go to an after-school program. I'm going to go to this program that's held at this community uh, center. I'm going to make that step because I want to do better in life. And with, and let me take the school system, with, unfortunately, depending on how the election went, if it went for the schools, then they can maintain those programs. you know, some of them including those that help out to betterment of young ladies and in cases young men too, but I know the concentration tonight is on young ladies, you know, after school mm-hmm. or even before school. If any of the schools after the election, uh, the levies didn't pass and there's a problem because a lot of times what gets sliced, everything from any after school programs to any of the athletics to the arts, phys ed, and and all of that. What needs what is beneficial is now being cut. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, now what do I do? Yes, ma'am. That's true. That's true. And it's just you know, I mean, sometimes we can't depend on the government to provide us with what we need for programs like that. I think that mm-hmm. there's a lot of different things we can do as a people and our businesses that are out there to reinforce what those programs need so we don't have to worry about it being cut down when the government decides that they can't afford to spend money on that because we already know they spend money on some really worthless things and they put mm-hmm. education pretty much at the bottom of the um, hole 
which is crazy because education is the only thing that's going to help us progress as a country. And if we break off what we have to offer our kids to learn and make everything that we have as education available to them, you know, if we don't do that, then where are we going to go as a country? Where are we going to go? We're going to send our kids to learn in, in Asia? You know, we're going to send well, them to school in Japan. We're going to send them to school in Germany. We're going to send them to school in, you know, some other country because we're not going to give them anything like that here in the United States. That's well, crazy. if you want them to get ahead, then guess what? It's going to cost you, but that's what you're going to have to do because, you see, a lot of other countries that have progressed is because what do they have as important? Education, because they know education is going to take them far. That's what. That's the reason why a lot of times you see on these surveys and stats reports and everything, as far as education in other countries, is higher than ours, and in right. very, you know, basic subjects too. And our thinking is unfortunately backwards when it comes to that. Why are you going to put? Something outside of education that's more important than the education of a young lady, you know, herself. Good. It doesn't make right. sense. And who right. knows, this this young lady may have looked up to a teacher, but guess what? Sorry. The teacher's no longer going to be there because the teacher's going to have to be laid off. Absolutely. That's right. Now, I want to introduce another um, caller into our conversation. Okay, I have to talk uh, with the now. Give me a second. Yes, I'm here. And, um, here. Hi, how are you? Welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? Um, I was calling because I remember that talking about role models. Twelve years ago, I started a, a company in my home, and it started doing really, really well. And I looked at the paperwork provided by the United States SBA. I never took their money, actually. I used my own savings. And the company went from making two or three hundred bucks a week to several thousand to the point where I became a, a domain name reseller through Network Solutions. And oh. mm-hmm. I remember at the time that I was using a word in my website called Internet, and there were 6,000 other companies doing the same thing. Well, I was uh, accused of trademark infringement. It became a whole fiasco, but uh, I remember thinking, gee, I I built this company, and I did it with my own hands, with my own money. I would think that as a minority woman, they would be proud that I didn't take SBA money, I didn't borrow from a bank, I did it myself. And at the time, my annoyance was, that they put so much time and effort to, you know, get me to stop. And I asked, why Why are you coming after me? And they said, because we're making a, an example of you. Meanwhile, at the same time, Monica Lewinsky was being rewarded with a million-dollar book deal and mm-hmm. a factory to help her do her handbags. And I said, mm-hmm. well, you see, what's happening here then is, I'm a minority woman. I built a company on my own with my own personal money. I didn't go to a bank. I didn't accept a dime from SBA. And you want me to tear my company apart. But she basically is a prostitute who who gave a blowjob to the president on the presidential seal, and she's being rewarded. And I said that on national public radio. I said it on CNN. I said it everywhere. <laughs> yes, I did. That was 11 years ago. <laughs> 
And the, you know that that uh, attorney that went after Blagovich? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's the guy that went after me, Fitzpatrick. Same guy. Oh, wow. And this is and this is 12 years later and now I'm I'm also a host at, at uh uh BTR Block Talk Radio. And okay. I I noticed that when men are attracted to somebody, they all of a sudden they become a role model. If I were I'm not raising any kids right now, but if I were raising a young girl, I wouldn't want her to even watch TV and see what's going on with Paris Hilton. Or or any of these other women. Or Lindsay. Or Lindsay, mm-hmm. oh my goodness. Shaving her head and all that nonsense. See what I'm saying? Because they're attracted mm-hmm. to them, they keep putting them in the news. If you you don't want to, them to be a role model, and I'm saying this to other media, I'm saying don't, don't put them in the front page. Because in my neighborhood, when you do that, they put you in the mug shots. They don't put you on the front page. <laughs> and we're talking Clinton. Today, little Wayne got out of Rikers Island. And wouldn't you know it, Clinton, whom I haven't heard from in weeks, now he comes out wishing little Wayne well. Oh, where is his head? <laughs> where, what is that I mean, man thinking? He's making little Wayne a hero. Talking about how he was in Rikers and his big uh, CD became a huge hit in September, and he was making mega millions while he was in Rikers. Why are you promoting this? I would think they want to shut it down and be quiet and be discreet and wait till some months pass and then talk about how he's doing well now and he's got it together now instead of saying, oh, you can go to jail and still make money on the outside. That's what he was basically saying. That's how I interpreted that. And that's how any teenager who wants to be a rapper and not do his homework is going to interpret that. Look at that. Lil Wayne made a million, a couple million while he was sitting in Rikers Island. See what I'm saying? And if mm-hmm. you give the right person a blowjob, well, then, you know, you can have a factory make your handbags and you can get your book published and get a million for it, too. Because I worked very hard to build my company and nobody offered me a million dollars. Well, that's the, the way it seems to work. Whenever you are showing your own single individualized uh, effort to do something on your own, you become a threat to them. So they're not going to look at you like they would look at something that's more like, you know, something to soothe their little, you know, desires. They're going to and look at you in a different way because you could be the person that replaces them at their jobs or position or whatever. They're not going to look at you like that anymore because it's, it's we're still in the man's world. We're in the man's world, and they yes, will blow business, up the woman absolutely. that eases their little desires. That's why Monica and was able to go where she went. Absolutely, and don't don't ignore the fact that you have never ever seen the first lady in a business suit. Haven't you noticed that? Well, I've seen her looking professional, beautiful, beautiful, I, beautiful, but yes. never in a and business suit because that would I don't scare see her many like people. She sits behind a desk, but I notice you know there are a lot of women that aren't wearing business suits anymore and so but she's using a lot of different style dresses and sweaters to look like more like a housewife than the professional lawyer that she actually is to soften her well, soften the I haven't the, seen the her look. in a law office like a lawyer type suit 
But I've never I'm, seen I'm her in a suit. Not ever. really doing that. Never. I've Little seen her in a suit. She had a lime green suit on before. I seen her in, and I've oh, seen her in a suit. But it's not like something that you can wear in a in the courtroom. But you know yeah. that's fine. She doesn't have to do that now because she's oh, not no, doing any kind of legal. I don't think she should wear. I don't. I don't care how she dresses. She's. she's She's got the power, so I don't care how she dresses. But what I'm saying is that the country isn't even ready to look at her as with the power that she actually has in spite of her husband. She's a, she's an attorney, a very, very accomplished attorney. They dress her well, in never, dresses. They're never going to look at her like that. They're never going to look at her like that because they never put that type of persona on the first lady. She is what she is because that's what she does. It's not like they have to like just focus on it because they really need to focus on Barack. But in the past, there's been so many first ladies that are pretty much like just supporters of their husband, and that's it. Yeah, they yeah. might give them a little job, a little title, whatever, but they've never been able to give give been given a huge voice to say anything because a lot of times it would be contradictory to what their husbands believe, or they might be saying something that their husbands say behind closed doors that the other people in Senate believe, and, and you know the the president follows along with. So they don't give her that voice like that, and that's not been her position. It's not in her um, protocol to really be able to do that much. But when we start changing it to where we have a whole first family, not just the president, they should all have some type of say or some type of responsibility to the things they do for our country. So whatever she does do should be acknowledged as well. Even when her kids get a little older and they start being responsible, like say they were doing the same things that, um, that Princess Diana's sons were doing right now, like when they were following in her footsteps and and being, you know, um, philanthropists and and working closely with other yes. nations. If they yes. were doing things like that, you know, that would be wonderful to bring up. But I bet you they wouldn't even talk about it because I it's agree. a positive. I think- yeah, it's a positive. I think they would ignore that, and they would wait till they trip on the the tarmac or or fall over something to show that. Right. And right. I don't see anybody that telling they... Michelle Obama what she needs to wear. I really don't. Mm-hmm. I really think she's coming out with you know what she wants to wear because she can mm-hmm. wear it, and again, she can come out look classy and wear what she wants to wear. And show people that you don't have to conform to the standards of what everybody else wants you to do. I I, yeah. I guarantee you nobody is telling that woman what to wear. In fact, I think she might tell them where to go if somebody even came to her and said that. Well, no, I'm aware too much of a lady. She, she wouldn't do that. She wouldn't yeah. do that. She, she wouldn't, and but I'm thinking that because I've been watching her wardrobe, and um, her previous wardrobe was according to the budget that she had as a family member, as her wife, who was watching the budget to make sure they took care of themselves, so she wasn't extravagant. But now that she, where she is now, she represents something. She has changed in the quality of dress because some of them, trust me, some of them dresses were kind of homey. But now, <laughs> yeah, you know, she was wearing some homey clothes, and 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 now she looks. Like she still has Classy. her own personal style, but she has better options. So they say they got a designer that can work along with her personality to what she likes to wear, and then they just put something together, catered to her, tailored her her clothes, so she could still feel comfortable in what she's wearing, and not feel like she spent ten thousand dollars on the sweater. Right. Like, who, who, do you see, like, but, who do you see as a good role model for 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 young Hispanic and Black women, for minority women? Who do you see? 
for Hispanic women, I'll always black and, like black uh, and Hispanic women. Who do you see? Minority women. Who do you see as a role model? Well, we talked about um, African American women, but um, I wanted to talk about a Hispanic women because we pretty much skipped that. Yes, um, I'm, I'm like so I don't see a lot of them that mm-hmm. are broadcast to where we can acknowledge it. Just like they don't talk a lot about. Hispanic or Asian role models in the media, and which is unfair because there's so many of them out there now. I love J Lo. I'm a truck up in the entertainment industry. I love J Lo, but I didn't look to her as a role model before. Um, I did, and maybe in the beginning I looked at her a little bit like a role model, but I, it, when she got so much money, it didn't seem to me like she's that much of a role model. She's more like trying to do her own thing and mm-hmm. just trying to do her own role model. So. I didn't look at her like that, but I'm sure there's other women. I love Gloria Estefan um, and, the, and a lot of the activism that she does, And there, but there's not too many people they broadcast to let us know what they're doing. Well, I'm, I'm a Latin crazy. woman. I'm a Latin woman, mm-hmm. and I started in business. I'm, I'm an educator. I teach impaired students or senior citizens, and I teach them technology at Brevard Community College, and I do it as a volunteer. So mm-hmm. I, I do, I do, I'm involved with my community. But I also started that company 11 years ago, and we got poo-pooed because, oh, are you kidding? That company is led by a, a Hispanic woman. That'll never make it. And for all of those people that poo-pooed us, they should know that it's now 11 years later. The dot bomb came and went, and we're still strong. Instead of giving in and giving up my company. Domain Avenue, what I did was I moved it to Hong Kong, China. And we've had a good relationship for these 11 years, and now we're going to rev it up again, and we're going to be broadcasting these little MP3s that we create on Blog Talk Radio. We're going to broadcast them in Hong Kong facing mainland China so they can be heard by mainland China. So, so much... And I'm a Hispanic woman, so that's so much for all those guys that poo-pooed me. Where are they now? And Monica, where are you now? I know. I'm just glad that she wasn't a Jenny Craig when I was there. Cause, uh, where is she now? Whatever be... happened to Monica Lewinsky anyway? I don't know. She probably, I hope she found herself one man and, and settled for doing whatever she does well with him and nobody else. And, and maybe he's not somebody gonna... else's husband. I'm going to give you a link to the to the company in Hong Kong. I'm revving it up again, and we're going. This is this was me 11 years ago, and we're going to rev it up again, and we're going to do it all over again. So this Hispanic woman has been busy for years. I've been very very busy, and I invest my own money. I don't take loans. I don't take loans, and yes, I I'm a little. I tend to hire minorities because when I was coming up, I rarely got a break. So now that I have an opportunity to give men and women, minority men and women, an opportunity, I do. At every opportun- every chance I can, I, I do. And the company well, is in Hong Kong. It's not even in the U.S. Okay. It's not well, even- I see a lot, of, a lot of women, even minority women, um, being like trailblazers in certain businesses, and I think that's great. Um, and, like, the entertainment industry is full of uh, minority women. Yes, and trailblazers. Yes. And so is the legal administration. And 
Have you seen how many lawyers are coming up? African-American lawyers? That's amazing. Oh, yeah. Female. Females. But but this is the thing. I'm not going to mention this politician's name, but he recently made a negative statement towards the uh, African-American culture in regards to saying that um, the women had to work so hard only because the men were not supportive and they just pretty much wanted to sell drugs and, you know, be bums and stuff like that. Sheba, why of can't we say that? Why can't you, you're, what you're, I know what you're talking about, and nothing about what mm-hmm. you just mentioned is a lie. Why can't you say it? Why can't you say the name? He, it came out of his mouth. He said it. No, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm saying that I'm not saying his name. I'm not saying that I agree with him though, because I disagree with him. Oh, I disagree I don't, too. But it's okay to say his yeah. name. I just don't want to say his name. So anyway, you're, you're very kind. Said, very kind. <laughs> what he said was wrong. Write me his he name out. Us as a people. Yes, he did. He generalized us as a people. Mm-hmm. And he just assumed that every woman was like that. Women, black women work hard because they want to work hard. They don't have anything to do with our men. So if we're going to do whatever we have to do, whether those men do anything or not. So that has nothing to do with it. It's just our spirit is strong and we want to do it. Now, we might have small little pockets that just kind of like, you know, low self-esteem and don't feel they have the strength to do those things. But yes. generally, yes. generally as a whole, and the group mm-hmm. he was categorizing is not even like that. And, and it's so also for the men. I don't know all, all, so many men. Like, out of all the black men that I know, they're not all looking at you know, selling drugs or whatever. There sure is a lot of drug dealers out there, but there's also things behind that lifestyle that has brought it up in the first place because a lot of people didn't have much more to do than that because of the fact that they lacked a lot of different things that were accessible by other people in other areas. And then you get to a state of mind where you see somebody doing something because that's what they did to get it, and you just kind of like think that's the next step. If you're not educated enough, if you don't have the role models or the the guidance to do something different, then you're going to feel much like that's the next step for you. Because I know a lot of guys who don't do that, and they've been fortunate enough to have good role models and parents who um, want to steer them in the right direction. But for him to generalize all the black men is crazy. And another thing I wanted to mention is, again, I don't approve of it, so don't don't jump up and down and think, oh, yeah, yeah, we like that too. I don't approve of this program, but it's huge in the United States because they use it as a voting block. It's called the Bilingual Education Program. Languages Mm -hmm. get accredited, actual credits that allow that child to graduate and move on. Those are real credited courses like German and Spanish and and all the languages that are taught Italian. The bilingual education program is a remedial program. And what I'd like to mention to all you mothers and fathers out there that get literature from your school saying we want to place your child in the bilingual program and you think oh that's great my kid's going to be bilingual no your child is not going to be bilingual your child is going to be multi-illiterate take it from a teacher when I ask educators why don't you put your own kid in your program in this bilingual program you know what they said I don't want my kid to get behind in the 40s and 50s the United States United States had a horrible program for blacks, and it was called Separate but Equal. 
Eventually, oh, people got smart, went to federal court, fought it. They fought it, and rightly so, so that every black child would have the opportunity to the same education that the little white kid down the street was having. Now, in the 60s and 70s, they reintroduced separate but equal, except now they call it bilingual education, and the result is exactly the same. In the United States, in the history of education, in the whole America since the United States was established, every academic program undergoes what they call a CAR, the Comprehensive Assessment Report. In our whole American history, the only program that has never been given a CAR is the bilingual ed program because those kids don't come out great, and it's wonderful. They have two languages, and they've mastered it. No, they're multiliterate. They can't pronounce anything well, and they can't compete in the market. Luckily, some people are smart and don't use it at all because they know it's a remedial program. When I taught bilingual ed in a public school in New York City, one day they showed up with three severely impaired children, and I asked, uh, you must be putting them in the wrong place. And they said, no, is this a bilingual ed? I said, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, they, they're here. They're, you have to teach them too. I said, wait a minute. This is a bilingual ed class. These children need specialized uh, care. You know, they have to have their own tutor and they have to have specialized training. And, and you know what they said to me? Oh, no, it's the same thing. Comes out of the, Money comes out of the same pot. It's all remedial. And I thought, it can't be. So I went and looked it up, and sure enough, it was all remedial, just as separate would e- but e- you know but equal was remedial, expecting that the kids were somehow going to compete when the a child in fourth grade had a fourth grade reader, and the child a black child in the separate but equal had a first grade and a second grade reader, so no the education was not equal, and that's what they right. do in bilingual ed. So please, if you have your kid in a in a language program, make sure it's an accredited language program so that that child gets credit just like for mathematics history biology science and even phys ed you you can have kids now in school that are getting credit for phys ed but they get no credit for being in bilingual education can you imagine and you say why does juanito and maria drop out in the seventh grade you know why because that's when by law you have to sit that child down and say hey juanito and maria guess what hon you don't have enough credits to go to high school. Wow. You, well, now, you get to yeah. do it all over again if you want. And you can be 25 right. years old when you get out of high school. Would you like that? So they walk away. <laughs> Ravenda, what I was going to say, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to, to interrupt you because you're you're talking about some very important programs, but we're kind of getting off the, the topic of the subject tonight. And we were earlier talking about, any Hispanic female role, ma- uh, role models, and I actually have one that I wanted to mention, um, which I think a lot of people don't actually realize um, the work that she actually does for different charities as well on the anti-domestic violence groups. Um, and I don't know if you guys are aware of that, but that is actually Salma Hayek, and oh, she oh, yes. has I been doing a ton oh, yeah. of work for awareness on violence against women and also discrimination against immigrants since she herself immigrated from um, Mexico. So um, not only that, but she's producer, director, 
actors. Mm-hmm. Everything. Wonderful. What I like like the most about her was because she has this certain look and image when she first got into acting, and she didn't stick with that like they tried to make her because, you know, she's, you know, uh, voluptuous and sexy and beautiful, and and she could have been just just a little hot from a little hot mama in every movie, but she's always played, you know, strong women. Even if she can, she can't stop looking sexy and beautiful. But she's always played I agree. a character that's a strong character, and and for her to take the challenge to go behind the cameras was to me admirable because that showed that you know we we didn't we don't have to let a woman just be something to look at. She's got did, more did going you know on. Did you know testified before the the Senate committee on the Judiciary supporting? Uh, reauthorizing the Violence Against Women Act. She did that as a female mm-hmm. role model. Like, that, to me, is a female role model, somebody who is willing to stand up and take a chance, go in front of government, knowing full well that people are going to be talking about her because, first of all, she's not from the United States, that she's an actress and maybe she's not as smart as some other people. But she went up there and she testified, and that to me takes some real big kahunas. Whether you're Hispanic, <laughs> period. I mean, right. I don't know if I could do that. But she she donates tons of money to shelters in Mexico. I mean, this woman is um, a, a huge force uh, for Latinas, and I. Um, yeah. You're I right. really, really admire the work that she does, and again, the cause that she fights for. Now, who who knows whether or not in her own life she's experienced domestic violence. I don't know that much about her, but I do remember reading the things that she had been involved in, and that, of course, is just just an amazing cause to be part of as a woman, period. Yeah, she and, and um, just looking up a little bit on the Internet, Mm-hmm. Because of her humanitarian work, um, it looks like she was nominated for a Do Something Award by VH1, and it's basically dedicated to honoring people who do good uh, in their various efforts to support women to support women internationally. So that in itself, again, is a huge accolade. Um, and I just got I got to give a shout out to Selma Hayek. You go, girl. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. She's- I love her to death. I love her. If I had to say, who, if somebody asked me who was your favorite Hispanic actress, she would be the one. And even when she was being beautiful and sexy and desperado, she was still, she wasn't led by Cutie Patootie and um, Antonio. She was running him. You know, she was, and who was the one that saved him? You know, when 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 the guys were coming after him and he, all his friends were dead and all that, who was the one driving that truck? You know, so well, she was what about still showing Frida? that she could be a Frida, powerful you, person. Huh? Did you see that movie, Frida? Yes, I love Frida. That was she great. She wrote that. She, yes, she did. Yeah. See, I think she, didn't she direct it or produce it, too? Yes, she did. Yes, she did. And, um, excellent. It's not going to be a well-received movie in Hollywood. It wasn't well-received in Mexico either. You know, you you bring that to the table, and you're these 
production people are kind of looking at you like, are you serious? But she got it out there, and she told a story that she felt extremely close to, and she told it well and with character. Mm-hmm. And that it's beautifully is done. something to admire. I remember when That's Barbara beautiful. Streisand did Yentl, they didn't receive her well either. Well, right, and that was an excellent movie too. And because, well, you know, in, in many senses, when you're a, a singer, you know, and you go into movies, you're not going to get a lot of uh, admiration from them because now they're thinking that you're getting all this from the people who are watching this movie because they're fans of yours from your music career. So they're not ever taking it seriously. I never thought of that. I never thought of that. If you look at Janet Jackson's um, steps right now in acting, they're not taking her serious either. And she's making some really challenging steps in acting because she's doing stuff that puts her in a different light. I mean, Mm -hmm. She's never been seen that dramatic in any kind of production. And she's and this new movie coming out tomorrow for color world girls who have considered um, suicide, she is going to be like one of the dr- most dramatic characters in the movie. And nobody really pays attention to how good she can act because they're too busy thinking about her family and they're too busy, you know, thinking about her music and her boob popping out and all this other stuff. And they're not taking her serious. <laughs> So she's going to, you know, have to keep on doing these challenging roles so somebody pays attention to it, you know, to show her. And I'm glad that um, Tyler Perry took a chance on making her, you know, that person that's going to be a a woman of dynamic change between her and Jill Scott. Because Jill Scott hadn't even really acted that much before she was in um, Why Did I Get Married. And Mm -hmm. she did great in the first one. I didn't like her that much in the second one because she didn't have much of a part. But the first one, she was really great because she was showing how women who are overweight have so little self-esteem in certain cases where they have abusive husbands or boyfriends or whatever that, Mm -hmm. you know, they try so hard to please, but that man is just not loving her and just treating her like trash and how she reacted to him and everything and just let him walk all over until she said enough is enough. But, you know, they never show these women in that in that serious light until Tyler Perry showed them. And now you get to see these people for more than just a singer. So that's why I they gave Barbara Streisand a hard time. She's an excellent actress and director. Oh, my God. She took other projects besides Yempo that were like this. Was the, um, I can't even remember the name of the woman. She was in, in, in a mental institution. Um, I forgot the name of it. But that's old that was called She's Nuts. In the called Nuts. Yeah, nuts. That yeah. Oh and then my the other gosh, movie that's and, right. Barbara yeah, Streisand. And the other movie where um, when she played the uh, psychologist, Prince of Tides. Um, that is an amazing film. She, I think she directed that one. Yes, she oh, she had some part in it. She had some part in it, she and she it did a yeah, she did a great, great job in it. Just like Cher. Cher is a great actress. But they don't give you any recognition to it because you're a singer and you just got all these fans. So they say that's not real fans because they don't know nothing about movies. And so they they just say, well, you're going to automatically have two million people who are going to watch the movie instantly because you used to sing. They do the same thing to Beyonce. They say it's, it's almost like politics. You want to go by the popular vote. <laughs> and, but Beyonce's okay. I think she needs, she has a lot more room to work, you know, as far as acting. I mean, she ain't the greatest, but... She's on her way, but of course she got like five million fans already. 
who are going to watch it just because she in it. So it doesn't mean she's that great an actress because the movie made $100 million or whatever. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean she got a lot of fans. So the Hollywood's not looking at her the same way they would look at, you know, um, let's see. Let's think of another actress. Well, Alfred well, Woodard, they don't ever give back her any props. Because um, I don't know if you guys remember that one of her best friends is Penelope Cruz, who is another Latina actress who was actually born in Spain. And she actually actually went and worked with Mother Teresa and helped out with with lepers. Penelope Cruz. Can you believe that? I didn't even know it. I was reading it right now because I was looking up Salma. And I thought that was really interesting because she worked for a week with Mother Teresa assisting in a leprosy clinic. And uh, that helped her start a foundation to support homeless girls in India where she actually sponsors two women there. So, you know, there's a lot of things out there that these women are doing that don't get any attention. Why? One, because they're beautiful and gorgeous and nobody cares. They just want to see their pictures. And two, because, oh, well, they're, they're movie stars. They can't do anything else. But here oh, are two examples of strong, strong women, Latino women, who are doing these great things for charity and, and, and for women, period. Um. So I don't know. I just wanted to bring that up because I thought, you know, as I came across it, looking up a little bit more about Salma, I thought that was extremely, extremely interesting. Yeah, Mother Teresa only worked with Definitely. lepers usually. Mm-hmm. All of the work she did was in, involved lepers. Yeah. Well, well anyway, thank I you all for having me here and, and for, for hearing me out. I so appreciate you Keep up the good work, and I'll say good night. Oh, I will. Well, thanks for coming on, and Sherry. It was a very interesting and nice Definitely. to get a different point of view. You know, did you see all the black, listeners? I'm white, you and you you're right. All? We weren't really thinking along. Did you along look at all your listeners? You have so many. Oh, look I know. That. We, we, <laughs> well, that's great to know. Yeah, well, I, I enjoy that. I. I usually have a lot for a topic like this. This is like the second time I've done something like this, and it really brings a lot of people's opinions out. Um, if anybody wants to call within the last nine minutes we have in the show, feel free to do so. Um, you know, you can give your opinion on the show or whatever you like. It's 347-237-5050. And Syndicated News, thank you so much for your input. I'm going to have to check your show out too. Thank you. Um, you have 49 minutes. You got lots of um, time. Oh, no, actually, I have like eight minutes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, because it shows 49 minutes you got left. Yeah, you May- got to oh. refresh the screen. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Now, I was actually checking out, like, so we talked about African American and Caucasian and, and Latino role models, but I wanted to talk about um, some Asian role models. And since we, you know, I'm not that connected to the Asian um, heritage and all, although I love Asian um, artifacts and I love everything about China. I'm going there next year. Um, But they don't really bring them out as much as anybody else. And it's crazy because when you ever look at those graphics and they have the percentage of cultures and they always have Asian there and they're like 1%, 2%, you know, It'll be like 60% white, 30%, you know, black, 
and the rest, you know, Hispanic and then everything else, and then 1% Chinese or something or Asian. It's crazy, and they don't really focus on the good things about any one culture and bring out the um, the good people that are doing a lot of things for some reason. I don't know why that is, but if you go to their country, you can find out a whole lot of things about a lot of people. Definitely. So um, I'm looking on here, and um, I'm, I'm like, who the heck is out there that is doing things in Asia? I wish somebody would. You know, I'm going to do a, a sequel to this show, and I'm going to bring it up. And um, I do have a, a celebrity friend of mine, Nia Peoples. You might remember her from Fame. Oh, I know yeah. she's doing a lot of things. I'm going to actually, I'm not going to talk about what she's doing yet, because what I'm going to do is um, she has a great website, and it, and it sends out, affirmations to the people who are members of the blog. And she talked about health and spiritual health and mental health and all this other stuff. And um, and she's really great. And I'm going to actually try to bring her in on the show and make a sequel to it so she could talk about things. She's, you know, she's Pacific um, Asian. So um, she could give us a lot of input on that. And then um, I have some other people I'm going to bring in too now. And the next, the next time we do this, we're going to also bring in some people who are leaders in some organizations for young girls. Um, we have Denise Hendricks, who is a, a BET producer and used to be a producer for Oprah's show, too. And uh, she is involved in a group called the Power Girls. And I'm going to bring her in and a couple of people from Power Girls organization um, to talk about what their goal is for young ladies and what they teach them. And if you can think of any other programs, too, you know, you're so welcome to come back on and, and contribute that. And anybody else out there, because I'm sure there's a lot of people that have programs in their communities that are doing stuff to help lead young girls in the right direction. I am so sick and tired of seeing little girls half-naked doing dances like grown women on YouTube. Mm-hmm. There's no reason in this world for a little baby to come out of a little cabinet dancing like Beyonce. Um, she's not even, like, talking age yet, you know, not even feeding herself age yet. Yet she's dancing like Beyonce. Now, if a parent can't find anything else better to teach their child than to dance like that, there's something wrong with that parent. So I wanted to have people come in and talk about, you know, what kind of uh, strategies can we put together on our table as mothers, grandmothers, aunts, and whatever, what have you, to get our girls in a better direction so that we can decrease the amount of, um, let's say, teen mothers. You know, I mean, I was a teen mother too, but there's there's an increase in that population. We have girls who actually want to be teen mothers. So girls go out of their way to get pregnant like like it's a clique. You know, yeah. I mean, like, they they don't know anything about the responsibility of being a mother. But they they do it on purpose. They don't even give a guy opportunity to say no. And, of course, he's a dummy because if you're using a condom, you don't have nothing to worry about. But if you go and listen to her and you do it, then you have to take that responsibility, too, when she gets pregnant. So they don't even care about the guys. They're just doing it so that, you know, they just want to have kids. So I'm going to talk about that, too, on the next time we have this conversation. I'm and also thinking that about, one person that okay. I would really like to get involved in in that sequel, too, is a um, um, close friend of the UMG camp that I work with, uh, Princess uh-huh. Ivory, and 
she actually is a radio uh, personality in uh, Alabama. And mm-hmm. if you've ever if you've ever checked out her Facebook pages or any of her sites, um, all she talks about is positivity all the time. And when I get into those funks where I'm just like, oh my gosh, and I just start getting negative because things are going wrong and money is short and I don't want to go to my job because it's stressful. She's always mm-hmm. posting something up about being grateful about something uh, or being inspired by something else. And I really feel like she could also bring something to the table for that particular, for this topic. And, and not only that, but she herself be role model for young women in her community. Um, so wow. I, I really admire her. And if you haven't checked her out, it's just Princess Ivory with an I. And she's all mm-hmm. over. And um, very, very um, I just, I just love the fact that she tries to stay positive in all these different things that that go on, and all the struggles she herself has seen. Um, she, in fact, was involved in a very bad car crash where uh, her car flipped and she broke a vertebrae, and they mm-hmm. said that she wasn't going to heal and she was going to be paralyzed, and she healed on her own. And by the grace of God, she's still able to walk, and she's perfectly fine now. So right, that's that's wonderful. I mean, I've I've seen things like that happen before, but um, when you if you talk to her again, invite her to the next show. I'll probably do that probably towards the end of the month. Um, give me enough time to gather up a lot of people. But what I want to do now is just thank you so much for being my co-host and my partner in virtual crime. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is Becky Wamsley, and um, we're going to be working closely together in the future. I want to also thank my listeners for listening into our conversation, and please um, join in the conversation next time around. Feel free to call us or join the chat room. Um, we'll post the show on my Facebook um, page. Just look for Ravenda, Dollar, or, or Mingo Zone Network. Um, we will also um, probably repeat it maybe um, next Sunday or something. Sometimes when I have a really great show, I like to repeat it. So for those who didn't get it, um, they can just listen to it then at their convenience. So look for that to happen. So for everyone out there, please take the responsibility in any young girl that you see that is going in the wrong direction. Try to give her as much support as you can to um, information about the more positive things and people that she can put in her life. And be thankful if you have a daughter or sister or cousin or whatever that is on the right road and appreciate her. So I want to say good night to everyone. Please enjoy your evening, and we will talk again soon. Yes, thanks for having me, Ravenda. It was a great show. Appreciate it. No problem, sweetie. Come on.
don't let 